ever wish that certain things would go a lot faster? For us here at Brummy Mummies, it's the kids getting their shoes on and out the door so we're not late for school. Or do you wish that some things were a bit more reliable? Like actually being handed the school note to say they need a costume ahead of the day it's due? Well, we can't control the speed of our kids. Luckily for us, Brummy Mummies Talk Talk's Future Fibre is now here in Birmingham. And with speeds up to a whopping 900 megabits per second, it's fast enough to handle anything you throw at it. And it's great Talk Talk value too. Future Fibre might not speed up the school run, but when it comes to downloading our podcast or making sure your work calls don't cut out in the holidays because your son's playing video games or your daughter's streaming TV, ultra-fast and ultra-reliable broadband using the latest technology is just what you need. To find out more, search Talk Talk Future Fibre, subject to local availability. Today I want to tell you about a festival I've been to nearly every year for 13 years with my kids. The Just So Festival offers the perfect place for families to escape their everyday lives for a weekend to play and adventure together, making wonderful childhood memories as they explore a truly magical woodland wonderland. It takes place in the grounds of the glorious Road Hall, Nistoke-on-Trent, which is full of stunning forest glades to explore. Over the years, we've done everything from retro discos and Russian Cossack dancing to giant pillow fights and laughter yoga. We've joined lantern parades after dark, watched outdoor cinema in a natural amphitheatre and made fox costumes to compete in a tribal tournament. One time we spotted a fairy queen singing opera high up in the trees. Another time we found ourselves in the middle of a giant impromptu game of hide and seek. The idea is that something unexpected and slightly spectacular is around every corner. There's even a glade for babies and fun stuff for teenagers too. Welcome back to Brummy Mummies. My name is Zoe Chamberlain. I'm a journalist, author and mum. I launched Brummy Mummies as a community for families to help people to connect both online and in person. My goal is to share with you stories from the most inspiring mums and dads to help you find out how they juggle family life and everything that comes with it. The Just So Festival is the brainchild of two mums, Sarah Bird and Rowan Cannon who loved the idea of taking their kids to festivals, but found the reality wasn't quite so much fun. So they decided to do it on their own terms. Let's find out more from Sarah Bird now. Hi, Sarah. Thanks so much for joining us on the podcast today. Oh, no, thanks for inviting me. It's lovely to be here. Well, as you know, I'm a big fan of the Just So Festival. So for anyone who has never heard of it, has never been, can you describe the festival and tell me what it's all about? Yeah, sure. So Just So Festival uh, takes place um, each August, middle of August, uh, on a site near Stoke-on-Trent. It's a weekend camping festival for families. And really, it invites audiences to step outside of their day-to-day world and be immersed in uh, just a slightly chaotic, anarchic dreamscape of art and literature and circus and dance and um, a little bit of nonsense and mischief and uh, yeah, just with like-minded people. Uh, Connecting to nature, hanging out outdoors, climbing trees, eating, sleeping, drinking under the stars. Oh yes, and there is something really 
magical about it. I don't know quite how you do it, but it doesn't feel like any other kind of festival. Um, I mean, I know a lot of parents will be used to taking their kids to places where they'll see CBB's characters or they'll have like plastic toys or soft play. There's, there's none of that at all at the Just So Festival. And I'm guessing that's very deliberate. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess we think of it when we're programming the festival, we think of the festival, it grew out of a love of stories and storytelling. And um, I guess what we want to do is we want to take families on an adventure, on an exploration. And we want, we've always, it sounds a little bit corny, but we've always felt of it as a collaboration between us and the audience and the performers and artists and everybody who comes to it plays their part in quite a finely crafted ecosystem um but it's it is the sum of its parts you know it's the passions and enthusiasms it is the craziness of five-year-olds who are prepared to dance like they've never danced before or sing like you know at the top of their voices or it it it, it's 100% a, a collaboration with the audience and um you know you'll know that from from having been Zoe that but things like the carnival of the animals where we uh, we invite audiences to dress up and and to um and to to find their um, tri- their their animal tribe and to play games with them over the weekend, it, it's all about. I think we see ourselves as the people who create the conditions, but then it's all about the audience and the performers and everybody else, like bringing it to life and breathing, you know, and excitement and magic into it for sure. I know that's the highlight for my kids, the tribal tournament. Can you describe how that works? Yeah, so we uh, uh, it came about, I think, because we recognise that people want to connect to other people and they want to... It's a brilliant way for... We want families uh, to be able to interact and to break down the barriers and the boundaries that might prevent that from happening. So, um, so we have seven uh, animal tribes and audience choose choose whichever animal they would like to align to. They dress up. And, and when we first started it, we thought, you know, it would just be a really nice way of people getting together, uh, making friends. And um, that a little bit, it's a little bit competitive, but, um, you know, there's that sense of, uh, so, so you might be a frog and then all the frogs will get together at some point over the weekend and maybe have like a game of leapfrog or um, they learn a frog chant. They all dress up like frogs. When you're walking around the festival and you see someone who's dressed in the same animal uh, outfit as you are, it's just a brilliant way to like give someone a high five or like say hi and you, you get that sense sense of camaraderie I think that that makes the festival feel quite unique and special because because you feel like we're all in this together so so then over the weekend people do things they dance they sing they tell jokes they they do things in order to um gain gold pebbles then we count up the gold pebbles all a little bit blue peter style from when we were kids and you have to like the the scores go up we have a scoreboard over the weekend um there's a lot of nonsense nonsense and mischief that goes into it and then on the sunday evening the kind of finale of the festival is all of the animal tribes coming together and um uh, we announce who's who's won, who's got the most. But I mean, although it's a competition, it's definitely also um, 
you know, it, hopefully <laughs> kids take it really, really seriously. Well, whole families take it really seriously. I guess um, we, we definitely do this whole, you know, there's more that unites us than divides us. And I think people do find that they, you know, it's not it's not so competitive that they, that they can't enjoy it even if they don't win. Yes. <laughs> and, and tell talk me through what happens through the festival from kind of the moment you arrive. There's, there's the, the archway that you go under and then kind of what are set things that happen throughout the festival. So what would people expect if they come? Yeah, so so people arrive, they pitch up their tents. I mean, you can come for the weekend or you can come for the day, but you pitch up your tent and then... Um, uh, arrive in the festival, get your festival wristband, and then you're free to go and explore. And there are kind of seven or eight different areas that are loosely themed. Uh, there's stuff in the woods and the forested area. There are stages. There's um, There are tented spaces. There are some barns that are quite good for in case there's inclement weather, which there nearly always is a little bit of inclement weather. Um, yes. <laughs> and... Um, and then, yeah, the, uh, people can, uh, there's a few things that you can book onto, like more dedicated workshops, but generally everything is open and free and drop in. And that was, that's one of the lovely things, I think, in terms of like following your children's passions and enthusiasms, is that there's such a variety of different art forms on there. You can absolutely be led by your children and what they want to see and do on any particular day. I think um, quite often people say, you know, they come with their programme highlighted, if we're going to see this, we're going to do that and oh my my child loves circus so we're going to go and do this circus workshop and and then actually it's the surprising things you know it's like maybe a bit of opera in the woods or like a photography thing or just the things that maybe you wouldn't and I think that's the lovely thing about it is that you can explore and you can find new things that you will fall in love with over the weekend. That's definitely what's happened to us over the years. I mean, I just remember when my kids were really little and suddenly walking around a kind of forest glade and finding a an opera singing fairy elevated into the tree. And it was just, they were just mesmerised by her. Um, and then the next moment we were in a marquee doing Russian Cossack dancing. <laughs> it's, just, it's, it's the incredible. unexpected, isn't it? It is, uh... yeah. Uh, yeah, and then one delightful. time seeing Mr. Frog, the leader of the Frog Tribe, starting this hide and seek thing, which became massive with loads and loads of people playing hide and seek in the forest, and it was all very impromptu. I think that's the the lovely part of it that it's all very impromptu, or at least it feels like it. Yeah, and that's what you want people to feel. You want people to feel a sense of serendipity, and and there, are, and that you know, for all the kind of like you might then miss out on something that you really wanted to see. There's that sense of oh, I'm just here. I'm in the right place at the right time, and this magical thing is happening in front of me. And uh, yeah, that that's absolutely the kind of conditions that we want to create. And um, yeah, so there are also, I mean, there are brilliant bands. There are so there's great music. There are silent discos. There are uh, there's brilliant food. We love all the food vendors that come to Just So. Um, I've never seen such a queue for corn on the cob in all my life. But um, it's, um, yeah, it's it, it's got a really special and uh, unique feel, I think. And uh, I, I think one of our favourite things is over the weekend, you can see when people arrive that they always feel a little bit more kind of structured and like, and then by the time Sunday arrives, everybody's kind of like thrown their inhibitions out the window. They've relaxed into it. People just seem a lot 
I think, yeah, a lot more, a lot more relaxed and uh, like prepared to go with the craziness that unfolds in front of them. And you haven't mentioned the lantern parade as well. That's always really pretty. Yeah, yeah, we love, we love the lantern. I mean, there's a lot, there's quite a lot of like making and doing, and it's that sense of there are small, intimate things, and then there are also large scale spectaculars, and it's getting the balance right bet- between those that's uh, really important. So how did you come up with the idea in the first place? Um, I think it was a range of different things. Uh, You know, having been to festivals myself with my kids and um, but also we we were very inspired by stories and storytelling. My background was working in bookshops and uh, a love of literature and wanting to bring those to life, take them off the page and into a beautiful woodland space. But also my co-director Rowan has uh, four quite boisterous children and, you know, taking them to art galleries and museums and concert halls has always been a challenge for her. So so taking all that brilliant arts activity that was happening indoors and putting it outdoors, I think, um, was was definitely the initial impetus. And I think we felt like we could we could go to festivals that were like focused on here's the music festival and then here's some stuff for families on the side. And what we really wanted to do was create something that was entirely for families that was... Um, yeah, much more democratic in that. We wanted to, 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 to put on events where, you know, kids and parents would um, do stuff alongside each other on a par. It wouldn't be about, you know, separating the family out or the kids doing something while the parents stood back and had a coffee. It was about children seeing their parents be ridiculous and be silly and playful and reminding us all to like you know the power of play and playing together and how how important and and brilliant that can be yeah I was going to ask you about that actually I mean I think that's something that's really key to this festival that it is as much for parents as it is for children and and how important do you think play is for parents as well as children oh I think it's absolutely huge and it's so easy isn't it to forget to play I think you know you get bogged down in life and and that's why you know we've always said it's about stepping away from your day-to-day life but 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 play is the most powerful tool I think you know for I think for children for for helping them be able to think about being able to create and innovate and build their own worlds and and to do that through play is the most empowering thing building confidence and resilience and and just that that sense of like limitless opportunities I think if there's anything that we want the festival to do we want it to feel like that like it's limitless and that the the opportunities abound around every corner and that that the world is full of joy and delight and it's an abundant and rich exciting place to be but but ensuring that that parents can do that as well, that they can, you know, throw away the structure and the framework and and just go with things and, and play and be silly. I think it's a brilliant thing, you know, especially when you see families dancing together. I think the thing is that when you take away that kind of power structure and hierarchy of like parents being there in a supporting role, because actually parents generally can't dance better than kids anyway. It's about and it's about <laughs> enthusiasm and how much you're prepared to put into it. And kids nearly always outstrip their parents. So so when you see that happening alongside each other and, and doing that across all the different things is 
I think it's really, you know, it's it's about changing the nature of the relationship in the family because you've changed the roles. It's not that the parents are there to support. So we're all learning from each other. And what that does is I think it creates shared memories that are really quite special compared to the other kinds of memories that we build together as families. That really does, yes. And one of my favourite things is seeing all the dads stressed up and just getting so involved. It's like everybody who goes gets completely submerged within it. Yeah, there was a lovely there was a lovely quote quite early on, and I can't remember it's from the Times or the Guardian or something about um, if only real life was like the Just So Festival, oh, and you're like, yes. but but actually, why shouldn't it be? You know, that should be. It should be that the, there's, there's another world which is a little bit boring and drab, but actually that's real life. That's and, and trying to bring a little bit more of that into our day to day is uh, is a yeah a force for good in the world. I think. Do you think it's important for us to spend quality, concentrated time together as a family in the great outdoors? Yeah, I mean, I mean, none of us do it enough, probably, do we? Um, and, and definitely over the last few years, everybody's become much more aware of the the um, the power of nature and the just how how important that is to us and how much that can offer us resilience. And I think you know when everything was stripped back because of COVID and the pandemic. Uh, the the constants were, you know, that that first that spring of twenty uh, twenty was such a, the weather was beautiful and the bird song was so loud because of the lack of traffic and background noise. It felt like actually you can take everything else away, but nature is still going to do its thing. You know, it's going to be brighter and more beautiful than ever. And I think for us that offered us loads of solace, and um, we, you know, we. We held on to it so dearly and hopefully people will, will carry on holding on to that. But yeah, I, th- I think it's it's incredibly, incredibly important. Um, I, th- the, I think the only way we can learn to protect and care for nature is to be immersed in it, is to, to, to know the value of it. And to know the value of it, we have to spend time in it really, don't we? So... Yeah, it's it's really important. I mean, it's important for us. I think also it it takes away a lot of the um it, it breaks down those barriers, you know, that going inside of buildings constrains us uh in terms of uh how we play and how we react. It's in a slightly more intimidating, more formal space. It takes all that away. So it allows it gives kind of permission to all of that stuff that I've been talking about play and, and you know, dropping your inhibitions. That's much easier when you're outdoors, when you're in the woods than it is in a you know, in a room in a gallery or a concert hall. And it enables us to get off our screens as well, doesn't it? Our phones and reconnect. Yeah, uh, yeah, definitely. And and that's not to say, you know, I mean We'd be hypocritical if we didn't say, you know, that our kids were all... <laughs> the amount of time that we've sat our kids in front of CBBS or CBBC so that we can do the organising, <laughs> they're, prob- they're probably more more screen aware than most. But, um, yeah, I think I think it's... Yeah, it's, it's really valuable and important to, to connect to nature. I mean, and, and, and as a child, it's also... It's so vibrant and bright and brilliant and... And the more the more time that you spend in it, the more opportunities you find in it. But you know, 
climbing trees and building bridges and dens and, um, you know, looking at wildlife and stuff. And k- kids love all that just as much as they love their screens. And uh, so, yeah, getting away, getting away from the screens for a weekend is definitely no bad thing. So how has the festival grown over the years? Oh, in ways that we could never have imagined, Zoe. You know, I, I know you were there at that first festival when we, like, had no idea what we were doing. <laughs> I think if, if we had have done, we might never have gone there. But, but um, you know, we used to dream about, oh, imagine if, like, one time we could, like, work on it full time because we were just volunteering on it to start with. And then and then at, at every turn, it's kind of, it has its own momentum and... Um, because it is like this real kind of uh, family effort and everybody's involved in it, this, it feels like there's no stopping it sometimes. So it just, it hurtles on. And now it happens in Brazil and uh, 2022 will be the first year it's happening in Milan in Italy in June. And uh, it's happened in New Zealand. And so, you know, it's taken us on the most crazy, brilliant adventures. We've also started doing other festivals and events. We do loads of work with Chester Zoo. So that whole thing about like, wildlife and nature but the work that we get to do with them and hearing about the passion and enthusiasm of all the the uh, animal experts is is amazing but yeah we've worked with Hampton Court Palace and um the Forestry Commission like loads of people that we'd never have dreamed we'd be we'd get to work with so it just it feels a little bit like uh yeah a roller coaster and and you just every time we think oh this is it we've made it this is brilliant then something else brilliant tops it so it's also you know the last few years with COVID it's been a bit of a scary risky place to be as well you know festivals have been um you know postponed or you know constantly coming up with plan b c d e and f as to how we'll be able to put it on so it it's it definitely you don't you can't rest on your laurels it's a an exciting environment to be working in but yeah it's grown it's grown what but but one of the things that we haven't really grown is um for the last kind of five or six years at least, is we haven't grown our audience size. We've put on other events rather than grow the audience because I think as a family going to a festival, if you go to something that has like 20, 30,000 people there, that is so overwhelming and intimidating. And that sense of I might lose my kids in this crowd or yeah, we, we want parents to be able to relax and give their children a bit more freedom to allow them to run off to explore, to be distracted and diverted by stuff without... And you can't do that when when you have such overwhelmingly big numbers. So, so we're we're small for a reason, and it's it's because we think that that's the right size for the festival to be. And and we won't ever grow the numbers of just so beyond. It's it's got five thousand people come to it, and it'll never be bigger than that because it's it, it's what feels comfortable for us, and and we know from audience feedback that it's what feel, feels comfortable for them. So so although we as an organisation have grown. And the festival has grown in its ambitions and our wish to put on new, high quality, exciting. And, you know, we we never get bored of programming it. We come up with a gazillion ideas of magical ways we want to whisk audiences off into like dream worlds. And um, but, yeah, we it hasn't grown in terms of numbers for, for quite a while. Yeah, it would really change the dynamics of it, wouldn't it, if it, there were more people there. So tell me, in what ways has that just so changed your outlook on life? Uh, It's made me more ambitious, I guess. It's made me... 
It's definitely instilled me with a sense of actually anything is possible. And um, I think I was probably a lot more risk averse as a person in like my outlook on everything, every, you know, whether it was about my kids, uh, you know, having like risky play or um, or whether it was about just the choices that I would make for myself in my life. I was definitely a more risk averse person before we did just so. So it's, and taking away or changing your appetite for risk in life, I think opens up so many opportunities. And there are times when that goes wrong. But for all of those times when, when it goes wrong and you take on board too much risk, the times where you get opportunities that you would never have have got otherwise is it's it's led to a more rich, exciting, vibrant, brilliant world. I think, yeah, it's it, it's incredible. I think how empowering how empowering it is. Yes, definitely. And how has it changed your family's life? Because your family is involved in it all now, aren't they? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you might you might have to ask them. I think for for good. I hope that what I've talked about there has. Um, I hope that the rest of my family would would agree and say that that's also been empowering for them. I think more than anything, though, um, just so relies on uh, an amazing cohort of volunteers, and uh, they come, they spend ten days with us, and they throw themselves into building this uh, and running this amazing festival for the weekend quite a lot of them are often uh, young undergraduates um some of them are families some of them are older local people uh but quite often they're kind of young 20 somethings who are at university or they're looking for something to do with their summer and my kids growing up seeing those kids doing that uh, i think encouraged my children to think oh I should volunteer or here's the benefits of like volunteering or like, I, I just think they're, ama- they're amazing role models that they're, they're so inspiring that, and um, so, so that's, that's been an absolute gift for my kids, you know, for them to get to hang out with those volunteers and see them. I mean, they also get to see all these amazing performers and that makes you think, actually, do you know, what do I want to be when I grow up? Or maybe I want to be an aerialist or a fairy in the tree, or maybe I want to be a sound technician, or maybe I want, like, it opens up so many new ideas of jobs and careers and pathways. More than anything, I hope it's made them think that they would want to do something they loved with their lives. When you see people who have a passion and enthusiasm, whether that's for like tightrope walking or for cooking corn on the cob or whatever it is, when you see people loving what they do, I couldn't, I just couldn't wish for my kids to do anything in their lives other than find a job that they love. And to be able to be, to be able to be paid and make a living or find your way in the world doing something that you love doing. It feels like the most important thing. And and so I think I think the festival has offered them that in abundance. So it's offered them like role models and, and visibility of that in abundance. Yes, I mean, such amazing experiences. And how do you keep coming up with so many different ideas and how do you ensure that they always kind of fit with the ethos of the Just So? 
Um, well, I don't, yeah, we come up with a lot of ideas and uh, they don't always, not everything always works, but I guess you get a feel for what does work. You have to look beyond the obvious and try and find the ridiculous you know and I think if you asked any of the team who work on it some of their favorite things would be things like the custard catwalk where we made like and the the team had to stay up making vats and vats and vats of custard which uh, I don't know if people know this about custard but that it's um if you have enough force on it it can be a solid uh, as well as a liquid and so seeing people running across a custard catwalk or the jellyfly and um i mean the jellyfly was one of my favorites because there was a moment right at the very end when clearly everybody had thrown their jelly it was all over and then there was this one mum who was like scraping dirty jelly up off the floor to smash into a child's face and it was like what world are you living in that you think that that's- <laughs> <laughs> that's what we're still doing it was just it was so funny she was so in the moment there was no taking away from like I'm just gonna get one more lot of jelly in my kid's face um <laughs> so um yeah I think it's uh yeah we come up with the really, really wild and ridiculous ideas and and then sometimes we have to like rein them back to what's possible but definitely uh, in terms of like the ethos and the we do a huge amount more on sustainability now than I think we used to. We work from um, a woodland year round, so we feel really connected to nature. And we've talked about the power of nature quite a lot. Obviously, that means that festivals are by their nature, um, you know, they're temporary spaces that bring lots of people together. And so we have to kind of mitigate the impact that we have as well. And we're lucky to have a ridiculously well uh, behaved audience in that sense, not in terms of like mischief making, but in terms of like sustainability and, and not dropping litter and like looking after the environment and feeling a bit more responsible. So, so it's great that we've got such a, a dedicated audience, but that we definitely feel a sense of responsibility, you know. So, in terms of making all the props and decor, always trying to choose the sustainable option, always trying to look to work with people who have the same passions and enthusiasms as those but um it's it's so much on everybody's agenda at the minute it's easier to find those people with those same passions and enthusiasms than it used to be but uh yeah I don't I don't quite know how we I think we have to tap into our inner child in terms of coming up with those ideas for for what will work you tap into your inner child and you just think what is the most magical thing how do we transport our audiences there one of the surprising things that we loved last year was the thread exchange. So, uh, yeah, um, I, I wasn't expecting with you know two young boys. I didn't think they'd be very into going and swapping their clothes and choosing something else. You know, they're not very into shopping, but they absolutely loved it. So they ended up taking their old clothes and swapping it and got a, a top that well. In fact, you could describe it better, the way that that worked. Yeah, so we invited, so we have a tent and we invited people to bring along some items of clothing that they didn't, uh, that they didn't um, uh, want anymore or didn't fit them anymore or... um, and and then you would, uh, if you brought an item of clothing, you get a token and then you could use that token to swap it for somebody else's. But the extra little thing that we asked people to do was just write a little bit, a little note on about um, 
the memory of that clothing or where it had come from or why you, it's just there's something about the stories that the things in our lives hold as well as the stories that we hold and so that idea that you could pass on a dress that you know you'd been given by your grandmother or that you'd bought while you're on holiday in Greece or that you'd found in a local charity shop and then worn to your school prom or like that just that the, the pieces of clothing that we have our favourites, they have stories and memories. And to be able to pass on a story and a memory along with the piece of clothing felt quite uh, exciting for us. And, you know, just... Uh, and. And there were some amazing, brilliant stories attached to the clothing. So I don't know what the ones were that you got, Zoe. They were. They were wonderful. My boys ended up with a shirt that had been bought on honeymoon in Bangkok. Oh, wow. <laughs> and a, a Sex Pistols T-shirt that had been worn to lots of concerts and ended up with the mom calling her son Sid. <laughs> oh, <laughs> and it was just brilliant. fantastic. But we actually donated... Uh, homemade fox t-shirts that we'd made for as the the children had made themselves to come in previous years and um they the children wrote their own notes as to how they'd made them and when they how much they'd enjoyed wearing them and then for me it was such a treat to then see two very little boys running around wearing them later on at the festival it's like it had gone full circle that that sense of sharing something with somebody else well, you know, that that's, I mean, I've got goosebumps while you're saying that to me. I just think oh, that's just brilliant, isn't it? You know, and we might have created the conditions for, for that to happen. But actually then for for the audience to to grasp it with, you know, um, and and to to run with it and to do it and to do it in the sense that that it was that we'd kind of envisioned is that's that's where the kind of collaboration thing comes in you know we can come up with an idea but it's absolutely reliant on the audience going yeah we get this we're going to do that and then the serendipity that you then happen to see those kids running around in them for your kids to see other kids loving the thing that they'd made how brilliant is that Oh, it's just wonderful, wonderful. So what have been some of your favourite moments of the Just So? I spent the first year when we didn't know what we were doing, I spent quite a lot of it hiding in the car park going, oh my God, I hope it's going okay. Um, And uh, I was uh, waving goodbye to people as they left, (laughs) and as they got into their cars and they left. And um, uh, a family came up to me and uh, their they were like, we've had the best time. Thank you so much. And uh, when is next year happening? And I guess that moment, the first time that uh, an audience member said, when is next year happening? We were like, oh, this is a thing. People want it to happen again. It's like, I guess we best do it again. It hadn't even, I guess we've been so focused on doing it once. It hadn't really even occurred to us that this was going to then be um, an annual thing that we were going to do. It was never like a big design or a plan. It's not like some big corporate festival where there's like a five-year plan and we'll grow the number. It was always like, we'll do a thing and then if people like it, we'll do another thing. And uh, so that was that was really, yeah, that was real kind of goosebump stuff, um, realising that, people really wanted it to happen again. I mean, there there have been brilliant moments. I would say the the people are the best thing about it for me. You know, meeting um, like audience members, but also performers, you know, falling in love with like just these people who love doing what they're doing and are so brilliant at it, you know. 
Chris Balzini, the tightrope walker, to Neil Kelso, the magician. There were just, there were uh, dancers and singers. There were just amazing, amazing people who enriched my world. And my world is richer for having those people in it, for sure. Um, but also like, yeah, all the crew and, you know, the technicians and the vendors and the volunteers and like what a crazy world to, to work in and to live in. So so they're my, they're my, like sharing a dance with them in the forest on the Sunday night is like nearly always the highlight of my weekend. Um, and uh, there are some absolutely crazy antics going on. But yeah, dancing in the forest with all the people who've put the festival on on the Sunday night is nearly the highlight of every festival. But I mean, going to Brazil and seeing the same vision happen with an audience in an entirely different cultural context is like beyond anything we could possibly have imagined. And the the producers who put it on in Brazil as well, just meeting them and finding people on the other side of the world with exactly the same passions and enthusiasms and sense of mischief and nonsense is, uh, yeah, it, it's a brilliant thing, yeah. That must have been so wonderful to see that when Fantastic. So we have a series of questions that we ask of all of our guests. So I'll I'll just fire them at you now, if that's okay. So what would be the two things you would tell your 18-year-old self if you had the chance? Um, I guess I would... Oh, so many things. (laughs) That's really hard, isn't it, to say what... um, to take the opportunities, to go out and take the... Grasp opportunities to not... To not always, I think I always felt like there was an adult who would do the, you know, like if you wanted to, if you wanted to like set up a business or to make something happen or to like there was somebody, an adult who in the world who would give you permission to do it. I guess feeling like you don't need to wait to be given permission. That's a good one. Yeah. So just to, yeah, to go and grasp things and to, and to be more playful. Um, you know, to, to not lose that sense of play and, uh, yeah, mischief. What are the three things you love to do every day? So what gives you a great routine, a, a good start and end to the day? Uh, walking. I walk in the morning and I walk at night. And and if I could, in a, if, yeah, if I could walk all day, I would do. I love it so much. I, I'm just passionate, really passionate about walking. Um, and also uh, reading. I adore reading and uh, I read every night before I go to bed. I think, you know, reading offers the opportunity. It, t- it can take you, books can take you to places and, and offer you an insight into the world that you would you can't get uh, without them. So, yeah, reading feels really important. And at the minute, I'm doing uh, yoga every day. I'm doing Adrienne's 30-day yoga challenge. I don't know if anyone else is. Oh, yes, but, um, yes, I've seen that. I'm addicted. Uh, I've done it. I've done a 30-day challenge for the last few years. And uh, But, yeah, I love a bit of yoga and relaxation. We do it together as a family sometimes as well, so that's nice. Oh, that's nice. So what would be the one piece of advice you'd give to someone thinking of taking their kids to a festival for the very first time? Oh, I guess to embrace the spontaneity, to not overplan. You know, let, let's face it, you, you, you're always going to forget stuff. You're never going to be as prepared as you want to be. It's going to be muddy. Don't forget your wellies. <laughs> In fact, if there's one thing, it's just that. Don't forget your wellies. <laughs> um, no, if it was beyond the don't forget your wellies, it would be to, yeah, to to 
to follow to follow your instincts and uh, your enthusiasm on the day, to go and see the bands that you didn't expect you were going to love or to uh, to yeah just to to wander and to like soak it all in and um as opposed to like following a strict like I want to see this I want to do that I would yeah just let that all melt away and yeah be a bit more spontaneous it's a, a good um piece of advice for life really yeah yeah <laughs> yeah prob- probably <laughs> Oh, well, it's lovely to talk to you, Sarah. Thank you so much for joining us today and very much looking forward to the next festival. Thanks so much, Zoe, and it wouldn't be the same without you there. (laughs) The Just So Festival is an annual event that happens every August. You can read all about the Just So Festival on our Brummy Mummies Facebook page and on the Birmingham Live website. You can find out more about Just So by visiting the website justsofestival.org.uk or following Just So on social media. This is a laudable production brought to you by Brummy Mummies and Birmingham Live. You can download or stream the podcast on all major platforms, including Spotify and Apple. Be sure to follow our Brummy Mummies Facebook page for lots more family information. And whilst there, sign up to our free newsletter to make sure you never miss an episode. See you next time. Today's episode of Brummy Mummies has been powered by Talk Talk's Future Fibre which is up to 23 times faster than standard broadband, proving that some things are better faster. Future Fibre is now available in Birmingham. To find out more, search Talk Talk Future Fibre, subject to local availability.